Welcome to Screen Talk, NewWire's weekly podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large, as well as a very special guest. Um, by way of introduction, since last week when we recorded this podcast, so much has happened across the country, and it would be glib of us not to begin by acknowledging the protests in response to uh, the murder of George Floyd and police violence and racism across the country. So we've invited our colleague and crucial team member, Tambeo Benson, who covers all things involving Black film and TV, uh, also the founder many years ago of the Shadow and Act blog. So he's been on this beat quite a long time to, uh, to help us talk through this situation and the many different kinds of issues that it's brought up. So thanks for being here, Tembe. Um, and as we were talking through the idea of bringing Tembe on, I think one of the things that we were really hoping uh, to, to sort of touch on is that, you know, a lot of times people dismiss the film world and the TV world as sort of, you know, entertainment and something uh, that, you know, when these kinds of issues come up, seems sort of small. And yet it is our world. So I think maybe just as a starting point, we could um, talk a bit about what that world has looked like right now. And Tambe, what do you make of the way the entertainment community has been responding to everything that's been going on this past week? I, I, the one thing that, that really stands out to me is, is, is the universal uh, denouncement uh, condemnation of, of uh, George Floyd's death. I think typically in these situations, there's, you know, you have maybe a split amongst uh, various uh, uh, parties and Democrats, Republicans, et cetera. Um, but even, I mean, even Fox News, even Sean Hannity of Fox News uh, came out, I mean, he, he, he gave a whole speech on Fox and, and said how this was a travesty and this was, this should not happen. So I, I think um, that's one thing that definitely stands out to me in, in terms of how this has been covered by the media. So, yeah, I, I would say that that's, that's the one thing that I think has given me some sort of hope that, uh, you know, we're, we, are, we are all human beings and uh, uh, despite politics, points of view, uh, we can watch a video and, 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 and universally agree that, that something is wrong with the system that we're in. So that's, that's been very, very, um, very, very promising to me. So, um, Tembe, I know you're on Twitter, and, and uh, uh, I've, I've seen you um, uh, comment on various things. Um, there's been uh, a lot of attention paid to some of the movies that people should be watching at this time, um, ways to enlighten, ways to inform. Um, how have you uh, tracked that uh, progress, or, you know, is that, is that going is that going in the right direction? I don't know. The help is trending. You noticed this this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I found that really strange that the help was trending on, on Netflix anyway. It's not on Twitter. And I, I just, I wondered if, if that was because people were maybe searching for uh, uh, civil rights movies to watch or something. And that's why it's trending. I have no idea why the help is trending on Netflix right now. But I think it's like number four, number five. Um, but yeah, they um, just made it available, you know, so it, it does yeah, well I, when I, it first comes. But that's what's going on. The entertainment companies are throwing Just Mercy out and the yes, hate you give yes, and yeah, so on. Yeah, yeah, Both of them yeah, worthy yeah. movies to, to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I don't like the help. That's not my conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was very critical of the help. And um, 
I remember that Viola Davis and Octavia Spencer, I kind of felt bad for them because they, they went on this sort of apology tour when the movie came out and they had to sort of defend it. Um, this was starting 2012. And then I think seven, eight years later, uh, Viola Davis did a, an interview, I think it was in New York Times or, or whoever it was, and she said that she actually regretted doing the movie. Like she didn't, she, she regretted what she, what, that she did the movie and what she said about the movie and that she promoted it. And that was one of her biggest sort of failures, uh, which I thought was very interesting that she, she came out and said that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, um, I, I mean, I think it makes sense that studios are, are sort of, you know, they're, they're, they are, I, I, I think there's, there's a, a sense that, that um, they, they all want to be sensitive to what's happening. And so they're trying to find ways to uh, sort of mitigate the circumstances. And um, so, you know, Just Mercy, releasing Just Mercy, I forget what studio, studio that is, but yeah, it makes sense. Warner's, uh, Warner Brothers, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'm surprised that more studios are not doing that. Um, and I think there are a lot of films, like I, I posted this morning on Twitter that a film like, because uh, yesterday on, on, on IndieWire, I, I published this list of 10 films that people should watch um, if they're interested in, in sort of black liberation. And many of them are not streaming. They're not streaming. It's, it's just, you know, like I, so make a film like The Spook Side by the Door, which is really a classic, uh, really should be out there. Should and, be available. And it's quite possible yeah. that that could happen now. I mean, one of the things yeah. that happened a day of your piece was that IFC Unlimited made, um, or IFC Films Unlimited made uh, Black Power Mixtape available for free. To oh, that's great. It was an amazing yeah. film. And really, I mean, I remember when I first saw that film, it really opened my eyes to the history of the Black Power movement, understanding how it had been vilified through a lot of kind of hazy historical kind of misunderstandings. You know, the way it deals with Stokely Carmichael and, 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 and clarifies his ideas is, is really quite striking. So that was great to see. And I'm also curious about, you wrote this other piece, uh, bringing back to the surface this recent Color of Change report that had to do with the depiction of uh, police officers and TV and sort of the, the way in which, uh, to some degree, those sort of sympathetic portrayals inform how people see those characters in our society. And I'm curious to know, you know, having thought through that recently, what, what, do, you, what do you make of that situation and what, what could be done to move in a better direction in terms of the kinds of stories that we're telling? Yeah, I'm not, I think just more realistic depictions of, uh, of police officers. I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, I mean, I, people like myself, you, and I'm sure. I mean, I, I can I, I can watch I can watch Law and Order or Chicago PD, and and but but not necessarily. It, it doesn't really influence how I how I think of the, the cops. Like I still think the cops, the whole sort of uh, the way the way the system is set up is 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 problematic and it could use some change. Um, but I guess, you know, there are people out there who watch these shows and then they develop certain views um, of what, what it means to be a police officer. And, and, and these are very, um, the, these are people who then just kind of believe whatever it is that police officers say or do, and they think that the cops are always right. And so, and you have these situations where you know, a, a man is killed, but then the cops are given the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think I think that's obviously a problem. But, I mean, I, I really just think that ultimately uh, we need more realistic depictions of police officers. Um, 
not just sort of valorizing them or glamorizing the lifestyle, um, but actually showing them for who they are. And, uh, you know, I mean, you think of a film like Serpico, I think that's probably one of the more realistic uh, depictions of what, what, <laughs> maybe what police One of the great are. ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I think wow. TV shows like Law and Order, Chicago PD, um, any production produced by Dick Wolf <laughs> and, uh, and whoever else produces these shows, I think you, you'd find very sort of um, limited uh, depictions of what it means to be a police officer. Meanwhile, you, you know, you, but you also find very limited depictions of what it means to be a black person in many of these shows when black people are often criminal, criminals, gang members, uh, that kind of thing. But I can watch them and, 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 and but still make the separation, make the distinction. But, but I think maybe for maybe the average person uh, who's not a critic uh, uh, may not be able to do that. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting that came up uh, this past week was people were trying to find stories that reflected what was going on in the world. So some people were asking me, you know, should we be revisiting Fruitvale, for example? But there is this question that I'm sure you think about quite a bit, where it's, you know, on the one hand, Fruitvale is fascinating because it, you know, it spends a day in the life of this person before they're died. So there, it takes away that notion of turning them into a statistic, you know, the idea of say, say his name as a film. But at the same time, is it crass for us to just automatically glom onto something like Fruitvale because it's so explicitly about this as opposed to, you know, a wider imperative to celebrate black stories. Yeah, I I I, won't, I, 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 I think I think you and you and I have an exchange. Yeah, I will not I could feel my privilege is still on the nose. I would not even touch that one. Um, I think I think there are ways to celebrate black stories that I mean just I I, I really think just celebrating black stories um, is ultimately what's important right now and not necessarily look to films or TV shows that explicitly deal with issues of police brutality or police violence. I think just, um, I mean, the, the whole Blackout Tuesday thing, um, it was kind of confusing uh, because there was no, there was, there just didn't seem to be any leadership behind it. And so um, I asked a lot of my friends and what it was about and who was behind it and nobody really knew. So that's one of those issues, things that needs to be, you know, we, need to, we need to fix those things. There needs to be leadership, there needs to be a direction. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would not, um, I, I think it's just, so, someone sent me an image, uh, sent me a, when I asked the question on Twitter, somebody said, okay, it's just, it's just really about amplifying black voices, amplifying black stories, amplifying black writers. And that's really what, it's, what this person felt it was about. And so I said, okay, that makes sense. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't think it's really about um, uh, sort of explicitly uh, ident identifying some very specific films and TV shows. I think it's just really about, uh, I, think, I think we just want to see ourselves represented uh, in all our diversity. I really appreciated some of the tweets that recommended people to follow. And mm -hmm. I definitely checked out. I went and looked and looked and looked and found people I had never heard of <laughs> and was happy to read what they had to say and what and had to post and the things that they were recommending. Uh, it's always a question of, of, of broadening your scope if you, if you can. Um, yeah. So um, uh, I'm just curious, I mean, we've had a lot of debates internally at IndieWire about what our role really is um, in a situation like this. Uh, we're, we're all about entertainment. Um, and it's been sort of an interesting uh, tonal shift 
for us. What do you think our role is, Tambe? How should we be handling this? Um, I, I, I think we're doing fine. Um, I think, I, 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 think I, I don't think that the average person is looking to IndyWire for coverage of protests or uh, governments. Um, I, think, I, think, I think what we're doing is just fine. I think we just should just continue to do what we've been doing. Um, but also being sensitive to uh, what's actually happening around the world. And, you know, I mean, there, there was a joke that we, I think it was Ryan had the joke about uh, um, baby, <laughs> covering baby Yoda, Yoda, baby Yoda dolls or something. Um, <laughs> I've got a baby probably, Yoda story coming up. <laughs> <laughs> probably not, not the most ideal uh, thing to cover on, on Blackout Tuesday. Um, no. I think we are, I think, I mean, we, you know, I think we're, we're doing just fine. And um, I have, I'm working with Anne Donahue right now. We are trying to get this, this roundtable discussion I had with five, uh, four black TV critics. Um, we've been postponing and postponing it. So, but we want to, we, we think we, we're going to get it up today for sure. Uh, and we're, we're just trying to find forward. So one, one more question. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. One more question for you yeah. on this, I think from a broader historical perspective, it's worth acknowledging that, you know, we've, we, it's, and it's not to say we've been at the forefront of covering black storytelling, you know, for years and years, although certainly you have by starting Shadow and Act and the independent film world, you know, has, has worked to be more representative of a wider range of storytellers than let's say Hollywood. And uh, I thought maybe it would be worth bringing this up because, you know, I'd be curious to hear from your perspective, you know, what, what was your imperative when you first committed to create a publication that was completely committed to covering black storytelling and black filmmakers, black talent, and um, basically how things have changed in the years since then. You also very specifically said it was the diaspora. It was not right. just America. Much wider range. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I um, when I when I created this created Shadow and Act, there was nothing like it, and that's why I created, that's why I launched it because it was just, no one was covering um, black film and television the way that I felt was necessary. Um, really, nobody was doing this, and so I um, I you know I, I decided to create something, and I spoke to at the time there were probably about six or seven black film blogs at the time. This was two thousand and nine. And, but we all had the same audience. Um, we had the same readers. And so I just, I reached out to folks and I said, hey, you know, instead of, instead of six or seven different blogs, maybe we should just combine uh, our, our thoughts into one. And, um, uh, you know, here's a, a, a fun fact is that Issa Rae was one of them. People, people- I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, Issa Rae had a blog and she was one of the original founders of Shadow and Act. Um, and then she moved on, obviously. I remember tracking you down in New York and having coffee at the Hungarian pastry shop. <laughs> I do remember that. I remember that. Um, well, yeah, Issa Rae and myself, and there were five others, and then it just eventually became Tambay's thing, and because everyone just sort of dropped off and went on, went on to other things. And so, but yeah, I, I cre created the site because there was nothing like it, and I felt like it was necessary, I was needed. And I wanted to, I had things to say about black film and television and that no one else was saying. And we were also very, well, very candid. We're very honest, very forthright yeah. um, in how we covered. And I think that's what 
kind of what drew, drew people to us. You can be is. a very tough critic. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, what was the thing you, you reviewed recently and somebody was attacking you because you were, you were commenting on the African point of view and you had to say oh, yeah, to I, them, I come from Nigeria. <laughs> it was a South I loved that. <laughs> Netflix's um, South, second, South, uh, second African series, uh, I think it was called Blood and Water, which I didn't like. And yeah, a lot of people, I mean, I think that, that review got about 50, about 50 comments. <laughs> and people were just trashing me. And some of, some of them thought I was white. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, this professor from South Africa came after me and, and, and he came after the site, really, which is why I responded, because he said that, you know, he said something like, you guys don't, don't have any African writers on your staff. And then he called us clowns. And well, I responded, I and, and I said, I am Nigerian. FYI, <laughs> so <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> yeah, mic drop. There is an African on the staff, and so then we went back and forth. And I just ignored him. Um, other people got into it. Even Franklin Leonard went went back and forth with him for a while. Wow. And I told told Franklin not to do that, and but he said, "Yeah, he's just having fun." I said, "Okay, let's go have your fun." Um, but yeah, so that that's why I created the blog is because I think we needed something. Um, you know, I mean, like the the Black TV Critics Roundtable that's going to go up today. You know, we, we talked about Kenya Barris's series, uh, Black AF, um, because in the series he brings up this this uh, idea that you know, that white critics are too kind to black content, even if it's bad, and uh, black people are not honest when it comes to black content. So we had that conversation, and I said, you know, yeah, I mean. Shadow Knack really was that site that did that. I mean, we're very honest. We're very candid about about if, if we didn't like something, we you know, would say so, and if we did, if we liked it, we would say so, and we didn't really care about uh, um, sort of uh, responsibility about yeah. responsibility, but um, uh, any other politics around it. Yeah, I, I always appreciate the opportunity to tap you when things like this come up, and people are sort of like, we need to celebrate. X thing for representational purposes. And I'm like, okay, what do you actually think about that before right. we just go out and just blindly say, you know, it's a masterpiece or whatever. So that's right. always great to have that. And I have to say, I mean, as much as what you did was amazing with Shadow and Act, I'm really glad that quote unquote Tambay's thing is now our thing and having you on the game is such an amazing Me too. experience. Me too. Well, Tambay, it's been fun you. watching you uh, flourish, actually. Really, really, really makes me happy. Thanks. Thank you for being here, Tambe. It means a lot to us. We don't want to be uh, crass by moving on to other things, but there was a can <laughs> lineup, so I guess we'll we'll dig into that now. We got a hip can now. <laughs> okay. Be you around. I miss you. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. So yes, as as I said, we we did get a can lineup this week. Uh, we teased it last week, and um, it's such an unusual situation among many that we're dealing with right now because as I, as I said last week we were we looked it looked like we were getting a lot of films in this selection and we did we got 56 movies and no quantity is not the question right but what do you think about this decision now that it's happened can didn't happen but we got a can selection we don't know exactly how many of these movies are great or what's going to happen to them but 
All right. So uh, one thing that we can look forward to is having Cherry Fremo on the podcast. We're going to have him, and we're yeah. going to talk to him. We're basically setting the stage right so now. So we're 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 uh, and 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 I would say that that um, there are a couple of questions uh, raised. One is the question of pushing many of the top auteurs, um, the Leos Carax musical, um, you and know, that, the the Paul Verhoeven movie. Um, you know, uh, pushing them back to next year. Um, and he's doing that for a reason. There's several reasons that are perfectly legitimate. The, 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 the theatrical climate may not be right. Uh, you're not going to get the kind of attention possibly um, this fall that'll be more crowded, more festivals. What are these festivals this fall really going to be? We don't know what version, hybrid version they're going to be, whether they're going to even have the kind of impact uh, that we would expect, which is one of the reasons why, why Netflix may not be be participating in them but so those are going to the spring but there are the, the other festivals are left holding the bag on those right it, i mean maybe really, nanny moretti goes to venice or whatever yeah, it, what do you, it, look you know. there, were, there were zero italian films in this line that's right tells you something that's that never happened he tried to claim that the truffle hunters was an italian yeah, exactly, movie in italian the press movie, conference right? more like a Not really <laughs> No, but I mean, and that's a fun, that's a really cool movie. And I, I, I want to see that. I didn't realize Sony Pictures Classics had that. Though. They bought it out of uh, Sundance. Actually. Yeah. It, it totally is. A, it's a, it's a kind of movie that could have been an uncertain regard kind of thing. Um, but, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, look, Venice has decided that the whole idea of the can branding is problematic for the kind of exclusivity they want, which is, I think a little strange, but we don't know all the conditions under which how these films are presented as can 2020 selections. So there is a, question there they will premiere if it happens at san sebastian and for a, a festival like san sebastian to premiere can competition films that's a if that festival happens in september that's a huge win for that festival they're gonna have really good movies that have that can brand on it them. sounds like they're happily partnering with telluride and and toronto and and sundance itself they're saying some of these titles might end up in sundance 2021 some of them are from sundance 2020 he didn't claim some, there are a few of those uh, in that in that lineup. Yeah, there was a Viggo Mortensen's uh, directorial uh, debut. For so example. that's an example of a movie that under ordinary, I mean, you, I'm curious to know what you think. I mean, uh, just eyeballing it under ordinary circumstances, falling with Viggo Mortensen, his debut, his father-son drama, conservative father, gay son um, drama, that, that that would that got decent reviews. It, they weren't the the 100% 90s and 80s, but they were 70s um, yeah. on Metacritic. Um, th this movie would be picked up by now, and there's no sign of anybody uh, releasing it. At least they oh. haven't announced it. It's. I mean, I haven't seen the film. That's where yeah. the brand could help. Yeah. In the con, uh, con marche, okay. the films get get homes, get distributors. Yeah, I mean, and, and also it's it, it allows it to get, even though, like you say, it, was, it, it wasn't a dud at Sundance, it didn't get a ton of attention. No, and there can. wasn't a lot of buzz around it. Right, and he he's, you know, you have the celebrity factor making move into being a filmmaker. Did you see it? Right? I didn't see it. I haven't seen it. I, I am curious about it, and I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, like you say, how that brand makes a difference and how some of these films choose to move ahead. I mean, some of them, from what we're hearing, will be made available to us now to, to screen via links or whatever, while others we may have to find another festival lineup. So it, it creates this right. fascinating question of just like- Everything's what been delayed. Have. Yeah, yeah. But like I said in, in, the, in the piece I wrote, I mean, what it does do is it gives us, even though some of these big films are gonna wait till they, they do can next year, it does give us 
a big list of movies that seem to be vying for attention over the next year and change. I mean, basically, in order to be in this selection, you had to more or less say that you were going to come out between June of this year and May of next year. If you want to come out later, then you, you apply for the 2021 edition. So all 56 of these films, at least in theory, are looking to come out before then. And, and 21 of, of them, as you put out in your piece, 21 of them are French. So they're very, he's very much, I mean, if he's, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I can't imagine that Francois Ozon's Summer of 85, which, which looks like a very fluffy commercial French movie, was actually going to be in the lineup. And he sort of cops to that. He's saying, hey, it's opening in July. Why not give it the can in premature? I mean, it could have been, if it was in the lineup, it probably would have been one of those like special screenings because Ozone has been there a bunch and is, you know, it would be something because can is usually a platform for French films that are coming to market. Not this many. No, there's more than ever before. And clearly like that's, that it, it provides a different resource. So he was free in this situation where in effect he isn't going to be judged. And he, he made a joke about that. He said, he's never got, Cannes has never gotten such good reviews as when right. it didn't happen. Um, he, he hasn't, he's, he's, he's got the, uh, he, can, he can be risky. He can put in first time filmmakers. He can put in women, more women than he ever has before. He can he can be you know emerging uh, talent that no one's heard of and and he's never going to get called on it or judged so he might as well. Well, I think if he's going to get called on it, it'll be from folks like us who eventually will see these movies and find an excuse to go back. It's not going to be the same thing. <laughs> no, but the other thing that's notable is that there'll be no winners, there'll be no losers, no, there'll no be winners, no juries. Even, I mean, one of the fun kind of no press. Stuff. Well, one of the fun, geeky, insidery things that a lot of us do at Cannes is when we're seeing films, we think of the curatorial decisions behind them, not just being at Cannes, but being in competition. Like, is this a competition film? Is this an uncertain regard film? We didn't have those designations. We had five comedies, five animated films. It was very uh, interesting. First films. Here, I have a question for you. Um, the Hayao Miyazaki's son, Goya, who, who did this um, animated thing, right. it's supposedly television. But the way that the uh, Independent wrote about it, they suggested that it was just going to television because it couldn't be theatrically released. I saw it on Netflix, on um, IMDb as episodes. Well, I think it, it's probably one of those things where they haven't totally figured out what it's going to be. And that allowed it to perhaps have some more flexibility in terms of the can designation. I mean, look at that's going to be an interesting one for the Oscars. Well, and, and how about eligible or not? Well, how about these two Steve McQueen films? They're not eligible. Those are TV. They are TV, but they didn't discuss them as episodes the way that, say, they have in the past with, like, It's episodes on IMDb. Yeah. And it won Amazon. They're BBC. They're BBC films. Right. And Amazon's distributing in the U.S., and it's, but it's only two of this larger series. And the way they're talking about it, they did say that these were two films from Steve McQueen, which is not the way they've talked about TV in the past when they have it at the fest. Those are very interesting so. questions for the Oscars. But the other thing I couldn't help noticing at the press conference was the way Chapley Primo said, well, we don't know if the Oscars are going to be postponed or yeah. delayed. He really made it sound like it was possibly not happening. But he is not an authority on that subject. Either. He's informed. He's informed. He talks to the Academy. And so, I mean, we've had, uh, you know, we've sat with him in the Academy. He, he courts them at the festival. And we can Absolutely. ask him Absolutely. He goes to the Oscars every but, year and claims Parasite as his big win. You know I that. Think what, what I would say to that, though, like the way I read that was more like Oscars are not 
you would in a normal he year. He's saying the Cesars are happening. Right. The Cesars are his priority, and and hey, if the Cesars emerge as more prominent than the Oscars, then it's a huge win for them. The big win that was going to be the thing with Can, obviously, this year was that Parasite made all this history and we thought we were going to go to can and see all these deep pocketed streamers running around trying to buy non-english language films that could be the next parasite so now that that's obviously not happening they have to figure out so what is the thing that can can do that could cross over to some longer term sort of track record i mean as you said in the piece you wrote it's not like there's a lot of obvious oscar contenders in this no selection. no and and which which you know i i find sort of Depressing. <laughs> you know, a this is what I do. <laughs> I mean, the, like the Wes Anderson film, everybody who's seen it seems to think it's amazing, and that looks gorgeous. Who's seen it? Well, I mean, aside from Fromo, I mean, you talk to people in the in the animation world, and we have a couple sources who um, have been talking about this movie for a long time. And don't forget, it's the second Pixar movie of the year, so. It's, it does seem Soul to is totally a front runner for the Oscars, sight unseen. I have no doubt of it. Um, but I mean, in Pixar, you can never count out. Um, the French yeah. Dispatch, I'm more curious to see how it is tonally yeah. and visually and, well, and everything fact, else. But remember also, it's a, it's a film that is being described as a salute to journalism. So could be on some level relatively timely. And one of the things with Grand Budapest that I thought was really fascinating to, to follow in terms of how the conversation evolved with that movie was that people recognized that it was light and colorful and fun, but also had darker ideas about, you know, wartime oppression and all that, you know, the kind of bitter pill of the, of the ending. And, you know, I would not be surprised if French Dispatch is trying to have a role in the conversation along similar lines. So that's going to be really interesting to I'm see. I'm suspecting it's more of a, of a uh, typical ensemble comedy romp from we'll Anderson, see. which could Whenever be a good thing or, or a bad thing as far as the Oscars. I, I don't care. I want to see the movie. I love right. it. You know, right. I, uh, in advance, I want to love that movie. But uh, Oscar-wise, it's a, it's a different question. And there was no... But there's so little. I mean, that's the... Th Here's the big debate people are having. Um, this came up yesterday. Somebody was saying, um, oh, well, a movie like Falling could suddenly be, you know, a, a, an Oscar contender. Or, I mean, first of all, it needs distribution. It needs to be pushed. It needs to be released. It needs all sorts of things to have that happen. It's, it's coming from way, way, way behind. But everybody seems to have fantasies of, of what movies could be Oscar contenders. And I think it's never been more true that you need to be branded and identified and seen and viewed and talked about before anything happens and people need to spend money too yeah I, i'll be curious to see if any of this stuff as you know you alluded to this this before. is why i'm feeling a little bleak about it honestly yeah i mean it, it's it's really hard to see i mean obviously oscar season is not taking shape the way that it would under any normal circumstances we did get that news at the end of last week that telluride is saying hey yeah we're actually happening so people look, you and I have both go. investigated the Telluride Charter from New York and LA, uh, respectively. <laughs> and I am game. Attached to it. I mean, I'm game if, if it's possible, if it's really possible. And if I well, feel I, safe. I've heard from some other folks in the industry, because I've said it before, I'm willing to be on the front lines. I know there's a crowd there. And I don't want to be dismissive of the, you know, <gasps> dangers that we, we face, the kind of the potential health crisis and so forth. So that is something that we obviously have to keep in mind, but there is an effort to keep 
something running on fumes when it comes to the fall season. And I wonder if it means that maybe there will be some very unorthodox titles vying for attention in Oscar season as a result. To That's fill the question. But I, but I guess what I'm trying to say is the smaller and less um, established you are, uh, what I see, for example, in the, in the doc race are the movies that were established at Sundance have a huge advantage over everybody else. Right. And a movie like Emma that was established before the lockdown has a huge advantage. In, a, in, our, in our panel, uh, theater panel, which finally did go up if you, if you want to check it out, um, you know, the point was made that a movie that had been in theaters was way, did better when it hit VOD than, than it, 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 for the most part on the art house side uh, than other ones. So- Although it does raise, an, that raises some other really fascinating questions about what kind of work we're gonna see reflective of the situation we're in right now. I mean, remember when Citizen Four popped up out of nowhere and you know was the definitive take on the Edward Snowden revelation. Yeah. But, but I think um, you know when, when you had the sort of going back to the conversation we had earlier the, the, the multitude of stories unfolding across the country right now with respect to police brutality and violence an election year and a global pandemic there's so much about the world that is clearly being processed it does make you wonder if six months from now we're going to see a whole crop of stories reflecting that that could end up being you know, seen as much more consequential than whatever these- Absolutely, I can't wait to see what the results are. But of course, part of the conversation that's going on right now is how do we get back to work? And there are all these different guilds and the PGA and the WGA, the TGA and SAG and the AMPTP and then the task force and the white paper and the governor who still hasn't laid out his guidelines for California. And everybody, you know, Donna Langley at Universal, everybody wants to get back to work. She specifically requested the governor to open things up so that production can recommence. And, and so the, all these projects, you know, even uh, James Cameron is going into quarantine in New Zealand in order to get yeah, back to work on was, Avatar. He was um, like born for this moment. Though. I know. <laughs> if there's ever going to be a safe set, it's James Cameron's. Oh my God. Mr. Scientific Explorer. Uh, he's going to upload business to the internet before we're dead. I mean, it's like he's on that track. So in any case, um, it sounds like next week we're going to have a lot of questions for our friend Thierry Fromeau, which will be fun. Right, and there's going to be um, an academy meeting next week, so uh, the governors are meeting, so I'm curious, on June 9th, I'm curious to see uh, what comes out of there. My guess is that they're not going to say anything. Uh, they're going to keep their their uh, cards close to the vest. And and we'll, all we'll be able to do is just keep speculating and, and poking them until they tell us something, so to be continued on that front and uh, stay tuned for information on how to register for the Theory from O conversation. It'll be live. So we'll have that Q&A component and that should be a lot of fun. And I hope you enjoy your weekend, get some outdoor time and um, stay Hiking. Safe. We like hiking. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. Bye. bye.